Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Good morning. It is Wednesday, January 11th. It is five minutes after 11, and you're listening to The Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. Well, President Biden and his Mexican and Canadian counterparts kicked off a leader's summit where migration was a key issue. They talked about uh, everything about the border, immigration. They talked about climate change yeah you gotta get that in there that lady got very mad we didn't mention that talked about climate change and this happened after president biden made his first visit to the border in el paso and the administration's rolling out additional measures all from this north american leader summit it's a bid to keep migrants from journeying to the u.s southern border the president spoke about his visit to the border and said that the three leaders were working together in a way that upholds our nation's laws and protects the human rights of migrants facing desperate circumstances. So here's what's interesting is the Biden administration, obviously we have seen record numbers both years Biden has been president of illegal immigrants Mm -hmm. attempting to enter this country in the millions, over 2 million people. And the Biden administration, one, doesn't, most of the time even acknowledge there's a problem because they like it, they want it, they want people in this country illegally who will produce a generation of reliably Democrat voters. But when they fake, like they care that it's happening, they try to play victim like they have no idea that they're not responsible for it. And so here is a montage. This is great. Um, This is a montage put together of the presidents of Mexico, Guatemala, and El Salvador putting the blame for the immigration disaster solely on Biden. Expectations were created that with the government of President Biden, there would be a better treatment of migrants. And this has caused Central American migrants and also from our country wanting to cross the border, thinking that it is easier to do so. The message changed too. we're going to reunite families and we're going to reunite children. The very next day, the Coyotes were here organizing groups of children to take them to the United States. So but if the richest country in the world says if you cross over the border, we will give you free health care, free education all these benefits. I mean, that's, that, that's a draw, isn't it? Of course, it's an incentive. There were if compassionate messages that were understood by people in our country, especially the coyotes, to tell families, we'll take the children. The children can go in, and once the children are there, they will call their parents. Yes, so the migrants got the message loud and clear that the Biden administration is empathetic. Migrants willing to trade a harrowing journey to America to receive free health care, free education. Come on in. We're open. And sometimes when our politicians are saying things and they're saying it on camera, they're not talking to the American people. They're talking to others. I don't know if you had started here yet or when it was when I was with the cavalcade of guest hosts, Mm -hmm. but Biden had that press conference on immigration and he basically, he didn't basically, he did, told in this press conference the children what to say Mm -hmm. when they call back home to ensure that they can stay in the country. It is not the fault of the people who come here illegally. 
many of those people are fleeing horrific circumstances. But we are a nation of laws and we are a nation of borders. Trump said this years ago in one of the early Republican debates, and it's absolutely true. Either you have a country or you don't. And if we have a country, then we are a country with borders and there are rules and regulations by which you enter the country. Absolutely. This border visit of Biden's is a sign that he's moving towards the center, possibly for another run, because he hasn't really cared about it for two years. And now all of a sudden, it's top priority. He's meeting with Trudeau and they're discussing everything. But here's the kicker to all of this. And I don't know if you saw this. This was this came out late last night. Biden is building a taxpayer funded wall uh-huh. around his Delaware beach oh, house property. Sure. Yeah. Well, we saw that like with Obama. You know why they do that, Casey? Because walls work. <laughs> now, Kevin, I'm going to spring this on you. In the 945 segment, we had audio from Pat Fallon, who is a representative. And if you can pull that up for us, I will filibuster here for a second. Okay, Kevin's got it. So Pat Fallon is a U.S. representative. He Mm -hmm. has now filed articles of impeachment against Alejandro Mayorkas, who is the the Department of Homeland Secretary, Mm -hmm. over his allegedly lying about the border. Mm -hmm. And he talked with Newsmax about this. He said under oath in 2021 and in 2022 that the border was secure. So let's take the one that, that those remarks in 21. But then, unfortunately, after he testified under oath in Congress that the border was secure, he got caught on an open mic shortly thereafter saying the border was chaos. So he clearly knew the truth and willfully misled Congress and thereby, and by extension, the American people. There have been 160 countries represented by people crossing the border illegally. 98 folks on the terrorist watch list have been apprehended. Five million people have crossed the border illegally under his watch. And John, we had never had a month with over 200,000 illegal border crossers. We've had eight months in a row under Joe Biden. But he says the same thing that the vice president said before him when she was our border czar and the same thing that President Biden said. Do you believe that Alan Mahatma Mayorkas is saying this because he actually believes it or he's saying this because he's getting pressure from the top of the administration to say so? Well, yeah, Judge, great question. It's a fair one. If you say under oath that the border's secure and then you're caught on a hot mic and when you didn't know that you were being um, heard that the border was chaos, you're clearly lying in one of those two instances. Right. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, you know, the, the, the former rather than the latter, unfortunately. And uh, so we've got to hold him to account because ultimately, and then also, by the way, John, what about Whipgate, where the Haitian migrants were being st- stymied by Border Patrol agents? They were not being oh, I would. So these articles of impeachment against Mayorkas are for alleged high crimes and misdemeanors. Yes, I guess lying in front of Congress would be one of those. Yeah, so they're referring these back to the House Judiciary Committee, and they'll say whether it should move forward or not. Hey, real quick, Casey, because I want to have time in the next segment. We've got some audio from a woman who went on a date with that dude who has Mm -hmm. allegedly killed all those people in Idaho, and it is a fascinating encounter that she describes. But before we do that, Matt Gaetz has has, uh, introduced amendment to do something that I thought was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. One of the great things that happened during the whole speaker debate was that C-SPAN's cameras were allowed to be all over 
the house floor because nobody controlled the cameras. There was no speaker. There was no person to say you can or cannot do this. Right. And so we got to see what happened. All, all sorts of things. Yeah. I mean, not just the main stuff, but you got to see people interact together, mm-hmm. that AOC interaction, mm-hmm. all those things, which would be super great for transparency. Because let's face it, who other than the biggest nerds amongst us, and I include myself in this because I will do this, are going to watch some boring ass representative stand up there and give a 10 minute speech? Nobody. But a lot of people would watch the things that happen behind the scenes because that's where a lot of the doing gets done. And Matt Gates has introduced a, a, a bill mm-hmm. on House rules that would allow the C-SPAN cameras to be on the floor during normal proceedings. Yeah, he said he's received a lot of feedback from constituents on how interesting it was and that we were able to see in real time how our government is functioning. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, and now his amendment does require that the Speaker of the House allow a minimum of four cameras in there. And so just in case, C-SPAN is a private nonprofit organization. It's funded by cable and satellite affiliates. But this isn't the first time that they've tried to do this. John Boehner and Nancy Pelosi denied the request in the past. Yeah, and unless you don't want people to know what's going on, because look, let's face it, the deals get struck in the the maneuverings behind the scenes, right? The deals are not getting struck on the floor. Mm -hmm. And if we really want our society to know how our government operates for the seven people who still care, getting the opportunity to see that dude try to take a swing at Matt Gates, look, that was huge. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't have seen that if it weren't being, you know, broadcast if the cameras weren't weren't following that we have a right to know what's going on and these people are in a building paid for by the taxpayers they are supposed to be working for the taxpayers there's no reason when they're in a building paid for by the taxpayers supposedly working for the taxpayers we can't see what's going on we wouldn't have seen marjorie taylor green holding up her phone with the initials (laughs) dt on it it's just more transparency i found out something kind of interesting about c-span during my research there is a tie to indiana with c-span all of the archives for C-SPAN are located in West Lafayette at the Purdue Research Park. How wild. Yeah. Um, Okay, when we come back, Casey, Mm -hmm. uh, obviously this guy has been arrested in the connection with the murder of those four college students in Idaho, Mm -hmm. and a woman took to social media who claims she went on a date with this guy, and it's the story is just, it's so ridiculous, I almost think it's probably true. We're going to get to it next from 93 WIBC. Nineteen minutes after 11, you're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And a woman who claimed to have gone on a date with the accused Idaho murderer seven years ago said he kept trying to touch her and told her she had good birthing hips. Um... This Idaho murder case, Mm -hmm. I have been forced to know everything about it because, as you may know, I think we've talked about this, my wife loves all the true crime stuff, Mm -hmm. and it is a nonstop true (laughs) crime-o-rama in my house, Mm -hmm. various YouTube feeds or whatever. And so I have uh, become now marginally interested in this because I was forced to learn every intimate detail about this and this guy is he is not all there uh that is an obvious statement if you allegedly had killed four people but it is really interesting how these people 
operate among us and seemingly don't raise many at least public red flags. Like you think about Ted Bundy. I don't know if it was a long time ago, but mm-hmm. oh, what a nice man. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a great lawyer someday. Yeah. John Wayne Gacy. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a great construction guy. And he's in the JCs and he, you know, he helps young men get their get get on their feet and have employment. Uh, it is now, you know, uh, BTK, a government official. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is fascinating how these people who do these horrific things seemingly just wander around amongst us without raising any public red flags. Yeah, and you notice it afterwards. Right. All of the pieces kind of come together. Right. Oh, yeah, that was a that was a bit off. So this woman, her name is Haley, and she posted a TikTok video, and in it she recounted her brief courtship with him. I don't know. You you believe the whole thing? Uh, as my wife, I'm a little skeptical. My, I let my wife watch it because she knows everything about this case, and her first uh, response was that woman's voice is very annoying. Uh, <laughs> well, but then after that, it's almost, and we didn't get into, it, but it's almost too unbelievable. It's almost too ridiculous to be totally made up. Mm-hmm. And given what we're learning about this guy, mm-hmm. it probably kind of sort of is. Ble- Let's just play it. And then I have a follow up question for you. Okay. okay. All right. Um, we matched on Tinder. Um, we talked for a couple hours and then he was like, hey, you want to go to the movies with me tonight? And I was like, sure. So um, we went to the movies. Um, honestly, I don't even remember what movie we saw. Um, we ended up going back to my dorm, um, and he kind of invited himself inside. I thought he was just going to drop me off, but that was not the case. He kind of invited himself inside and I was just like, okay, I went along with it. Um, so he wanted to watch another movie on Netflix and I said, sure. Um, he kept trying to touch me, um, not like inappropriately, just like trying to tickle me and like rub my shoulders and stuff and I was like why are you touching me or what are you doing and he would just like get super serious and he's like I'm not and I'm like you are though and he's like I'm not touching you kind of like trying to gaslight me into thinking that he didn't touch me which is weird um but then I was like I'm just gonna run to the bathroom quick and he was like okay and then he followed me to the bathroom um which I thought was kind of weird um so like in the dorm there was like a shared bathroom um he didn't go in with me but like he stood outside the door and like I don't know. I just thought that was weird. Um, And I was like, I need to get this dude to leave. Um, Like, just not into it. Um, So I proceeded to pretend to throw up um, to get him to leave. Um, It wasn't because I was scared of him or, like, thought he would hurt me if I asked him to leave. It was just mostly because I'm socially awkward. Didn't know how to ask him to leave. Um, So... That's what I did. Um, He ended up messaging me on Tinder that he was going to go. And I was like, awesome. My plan worked. And then um, about an hour later, he texted me and said I had good birthing hips. So I never talked. What do you think? 
You buying that? You're right. She does have an irritating voice. I think that's called a fry, isn't uh, that the thing it's referred to as? A, yeah, Kevin's nodding. Yeah. That's what the children call that, vocal a fry. fry. Yeah, vocal fry. Thank you, Kevin. I don't uh, know. Is she just trying to get famous on TikTok for a story? Well, that's the question. But uh, so the, regardless whether that's true or not. I mean, she didn't remember the movie they went to. Yeah, that's kind of a red flag. That that does stand out. She's remembering all of these other details, but yeah, not the movie they went to. That's a good to. point. And it, it's a first date. You remember those things. Overall, do not invite men you don't know into your apartment, ladies. If you yeah. take nothing else from this segment we're having right now, do not invite people you don't know or have just gone on one date with right. into your he apartment. He wasn't vetted Even enough. if they're charming and beautiful mm-hmm. like Kevin or Parker, do not invite men you don't know back into your apartment. Here is the question for you, Casey. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had a horrific date? Can you remember a horrific date? date, either where you were horrific or the person you were with was horrific. Oh, I'm charming all the time. (laughs) So it's never on me. But I will tell you, Doug, he took me to a Rush concert in Ann Arbor, Michigan, hence the Rush music, bumper music when we started the segment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He was very handsy. Yeah. I was more interested in the concert Uh than the date. Afterwards, he tried to make a move. I put a stop to it, never talk to him again. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's interesting that he was getting handsy at a Rush concert. <laughs> like, prog, prog rock is really some great mute. Getty Lee will do that to some guys, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Well, that's. Uh, and you? Are you sharing? Oh, I've been kicked out of houses by fathers before, but mm-hmm. I've never been kicked out of a house by the, by the woman willingly. Okay. Kevin? I can't say I've had a creepy date experience. Yeah, I've been told. I, I was told multiple times by fathers, "Your your time is up here. You have to go home." Okay, <laughs> but I can assure you, it was not by the woman. We've got Donald Rainwater coming up next, and we're going to talk about property taxes with him on ninety three WIBC. show. I'm Rob Casey's here. You know Casey last night. The old uh, high-tax Holcomb, he gave that state-of-the-state speech. Yes, the state of Indiana is strong and getting stronger. It's so good. Sure, you may not be feeling how good it is, and it may not be working out for you, but trust us, it's really good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you're not getting any mentions on property tax relief or helping your, uh, you know, be able to stay in your home. Nothing about that. But, you know, if you need a state sandwich, mm-hmm. well, they're all over naming a state sandwich. And let's head to the drivehubler.com hotline. Let's talk to a guy who has been on the property tax deal for years and years and years now. He was the 2020 Libertarian nominee for governor, Donald Rainwater. Rainwater, do you feel as good as I do knowing no help? on property taxes, but we're going to name a state sandwich. <laughs> well, good morning, Robin Casey. And uh, to be honest with you, no. <laughs> uh, I, I'm a, an everyday average Hoosier, just like uh, both of you. Mm-hmm. And so the, the state of the economy and the state of the state, if you will, looks completely different, uh, I believe, uh, to the average Hoosier than it does to the uh, political elite 
especially the governor, who I, I'm sure is going to have to go to a, a chiropractor and get some work done after patting himself on the back so hard last night. Okay, so this is the question I had with a longtime conservative activist the other day, and we talked about this on air. Where did all the conservatives go? Because it used to be there were some real conservatives in the Indiana State House who really fought, who really made noise and got things done. There's not a peep from anyone anymore. Rainwater, what happened to these people? Well, I, I think that you will find that they were either uh, primaried out uh, during the uh, last election cycle, or they have been put in their place uh, as as one um, previously fairly libertarian-leaning uh, state representative who now seems to have uh, uh, a lot of beef with you. Yeah. Um, doesn't happen to uh, speak out as he used to. Yeah, and, and I think here again, it's the idea that uh, a lot of these folks are more intent on holding on to their seat in the legislature than they are doing what's best for Hoosier citizens. R- Rain- and not corporations. Rain- Rainwater's, Rainwater's too nice to say it out loud, not, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. He's talking about Jim Lucas, mm-hmm. who went from doing a very brave, courageous thing and endorsing Rainwater in 2020 to now defending property taxes and the gas tax. I mean, it just it just blows my mind that they put such a stranglehold on that legislature that, Don, there just appears to be no hope with any of these people. Well, and, and here again, I think it's when you get... Uh, uh, an organization such as the Indiana GOP that has complete and utter control over every facet of state government, they can do as they want. And until citizens uh, decide that they've just had enough, uh, it's not going to change. But, Donald, aren't you really excited about the tenderloin sandwich? I know you just used the word beef, but we're talking about pork today. I love a good tenderloin. Don't get me wrong. But I I believe that the citizens of the state of Indiana, uh, with uh, the inflation and the uh, rising property taxes uh, and, and all the other issues that are going on, that affect people at their kitchen table, the least of their worries is whether or not uh, the state recognizes their tenderloin on their kitchen table. (laughs) Hey, don't forget those eggs. Those are about $4 a carton right now. Absolutely. What do you think about the $40 billion-ish budget that Holcomb is going to be putting forth? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at uh, the Indy Star's printout of his speech, and there, there were two things that really concerned me, two things over everything else. Uh, the first was a statement he made where he said, looking forward, our revenues are estimated to exceed what we spend by $2.3 billion mm. and expected to grow by another 3% in each year of the next biennium. Now, Calvin Coolidge said that when you collect more taxes than what you need to operate, it's legalized robbery. And from my perspective, what we have is a state government that instead of saying this is what our job is, here's what it takes us to uh, fund the job that we're here to do, which is to protect the individual rights of our citizens, 
they look at how much money they forecast they're going to be able to steal from us, and then they say, okay, how can we spend all that? That's backwards, and it's wrong. To me, it's, it's not only unethical, but it's immoral. That they know that they are going to keep collecting this money, which is why they're not worried about the property tax issue. Yeah. Because they know they can. What are we going to do? Vote them out? Right. Yeah. You're, no, you're, you're, no, that's you're, not you're going to happen. You're 100% right, Don. Don. Donald Rainwater is our guest who's 2020 Libertarian nominee for governor. Okay. So here's what's really interesting to me. Let's talk about another tax. In 2020, you ran on the idea of abolishing the income tax, and you were called a, a far lunatic radical that you were going to starve government of everything and that you wanted services to suffer and blah, blah, blah. And lo and behold, one of the top priorities of the Senate Republicans, and we talked about this earlier in the show, is they want to phase out the income tax. Have, have Has everybody been giving you an apology there in the uh, Indiana Republican Party for now adopting one of your major platforms? Oh, I, absolutely not. And, and I'll tell you, <laughs> in my opinion, here's why. Because this is, you know, this is part of the look over here, look over here, look, look what wonderful thing we're, we're, we're talking. And here again, they're not talking about eliminating it. They're talking about doing a two-year study committee on it. And as we know from the cannabis discussion, they can talk about and study things over the summer for years and take zero action because they think that the citizens of the state of Indiana will be placated simply by them saying they're going to study it. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem. What what should we do with property tax? Because the big thing is, well, you don't like what we're doing, but you don't offer solutions. Well, we offer solutions all the time. They just don't want to hear them. What would you do? Let's say you're blessing us with running for governor again in 2024. What would you propose if you were the governor? Well, again, you know, what I'd like is to just eliminate the personal property tax on your primary residence. But since we know that that's not going to be palatable to people, uh, the first thing that I would suggest is that we establish a true cap, which is 1% of the purchase price of the property for the life of the property. That stops the continued growth of your property tax. So, so what you're saying, Don, is if you buy a house for $250,000, then you pay 1% of $250,000 for the entire time you own the home. That would be that would be step one. Step two, I would like to cap it at 7% total, which means after you've paid for seven years, you're done. Oh, that's awesome. Hmm. I love that. I love that. Now, here again, when they say, but our revenues are revenues, well, they're already admitting. You know, the governor stood up in front of the entire state last night and admitted that they're they're robbing us by, uh, you know, he, he, the budget, the biennial budget is going to be $5.5 billion more <laughs> Than what it was the past two years. So we're so we're like and we're, we're going to have an extra two point three billion. So we're low. Well, we're low when we say forty billion. It's probably going to be closer to like forty one or forty two. Then based on the fact right. that we're at thirty seven and a half. The, the last time. these people right. are these people are sick. Like how do they look themselves in the mirror each day? 
And well, you know, and they look, and if you do the math, right, the the extra two point three billion that they're estimating that they'll get in revenues over what they spend. Now, keep in mind, they're going to spend an extra five, let's say two and a half billion each year of the two years. But now they're saying, and over and above that, we're going to get two point three billion more than what we're planning on spending. <laughs> so. The revenues are skyrocketing. Why? Because they don't care. Mm. They're taking money out of out of your pocket, and they get to spend it however they like. And you know, here's another telling thing that the governor said last night. And and I hope all your listeners just take a moment and think about this statement. He said, "We not only want every." Hoosier in the workforce. We need every Hoosier in the workforce. What he's saying is, is if you're a, a one-income household and you have a stay-at-home uh, parent who takes care of the children, yeah. uh, you need to go to work so we can tax your income yeah. And so you can spend more money and we can get more sales tax from you. And we're going to invest more money in, quote, unquote, education (laughs) so that we can have your child for more time so we can condition them to be good little corporate employees when they grow up. Just like we need you to be. Uh, What are you doing? That's scary. What are you doing now? We've got to go. But what are you doing? Where can people find you? Uh, well, people can find me uh, at uh, rainwaterforindiana.com. Uh, they can find me at libertyisessential.com. Uh, and they can uh, uh, find me probably sometime in early March uh, at the uh, Libertarian Party of Indiana convention. Hey, here's the deal, because I know you haven't announced you're running, but you're running so when you decide to run can you make sure to make the announcement on our show i i'm sure that that if it were to happen mm-hmm. would would be the the would be the case there's perfect a, there's a pork tenderloin sandwich in it for you all right as long as it has onion pickle and mustard i'm good <laughs> okay uh donald redwater thank you my friend thank you sir it's kendall and casey on 93 wibc Morning, 1148 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Pete Buttigieg is taking it on the chin today. Everybody is just railing on him because of that FAA technical issue this morning that grounded all the flights. But, 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 why, now? but why now? I mean, look at everything he's been a part of has been brutally incompetent, mm-hmm. buffoon riddled, totally screwed up supply chains. We've had multiple problems with the airlines. I mean, what? what oh, so now, now we're figuring out this guy couldn't run a lemonade stand of his life depended on it. Mayor Pete Bravo, uh, Lauren Bober tweeted earlier. This is what happens when you hire clueless liberals for jobs they aren't qualified to do. Here's the thing, though. Somebody said this on Twitter. They're absolutely right. If the the transportation secretary is like an umpire in baseball or a referee in basketball, if they're doing their job. No one should know who they are, Mm. and no one should know they're there. And the fact that we see this guy all the time, Mm -hmm. and he's always seemingly in the news, and it's basically putting out a fire Mm -hmm. or threatening some corporation because he's trying to pass blame on the fire that his incompetence has helped create, 
he, he is what he is, but he's there because he agreed to drop out of the presidential race and endorse Joe Biden mm-hmm. when Joe Biden was losing to Bernie Sanders. In exchange, got a cabinet exactly. position. Exactly. Yeah. It's no more, no less. Well, I mean, but again, we are a country who elected a guy who opened his debate with, hi, good night, everybody. Mm-hmm. So in a weird way, yeah. Buttigieg is ahead of, hi, good night, everybody. <laughs> he's ahead of that guy. I'm really curious if the Debbie Stabenow retirement announcement will be affected by Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? You know, is he going to slide right in there? Well, John James on the Republican side is probably looking for another office to run for again, so we'll see what they come up with. Of course, I'd like to take this opportunity to remind all Hoosiers that Pete Buttigieg left you. And, and we couldn't be happier about right. it. Right. Thanks. It's not, not so bad for us anymore. It is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So we've heard the phrase, it's a great place to raise a family, yeah. right? According to a new survey, Indiana, actually not ranking really high for either best or worst uh-huh. state to raise a family. Yeah. And you can read about this right now at WIBC.com. It's part of the side piece. Just go to blogs and go on the menu drop down and select the side piece. So WalletHub did this study. And Rob, you're going to be a father soon. Yes. The average cost of raising a child in the United States from birth to age 17 so birth to 17. I got are we playing prices right rules? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll say it's $20,000 a year. That's 17 years. I uh, that's probably high. It's Indiana. I'll say it uh $230,000. Higher, Rob. But by prices right rules, I'm, I was still in the game. You're under, yeah, two hundred eighty-six thousand okay. wow. dollars for one child. Yeah, okay. Well, that's you know, what would that be? Fifteen-ish thousand. Uh, I'm doing math off the top of my head. That's more than fifteen-ish thousand. It's uh, not quite somewhere between fifteen and twenty thousand a year. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that that seems about about right. Yeah, fifty-one percent of parents say they're spending at least twenty percent of their household income for child care. Yeah, and total cost of being pregnant. The entire process from childbirth to postpartum care. Uh-huh. Any idea how much that, does that costs? In, does that include all the DoorDash that shows up to your house? Is that a part of it? Is that included in the price? No, that does oh. not include the late night cravings. It seems or, that's or where the majority of the money fourth, goes. Fourth meal's not in uh-huh. this. Go to the store. Mm-hmm. I want the... No, that's not part of it? No. Oh, how much? $18,865. Wow. $20,000 just to have the baby. It's very fortunate I have a high-paying job in radio. Where I'll be <laughs> You're fine. so lucky. I did want to say, uh, Deb sent me not one, but two. I'll mm-hmm. put these up here on the YouTube. For those of you who are watching, you can watch us on the YouTube chat. Two very fabulous cards congratulating mm-hmm. us. And that was very nice of her. And we will take those home and uh, display them at the house. Mm-hmm. It was very nice of you, Deb. Thank you. Any idea how many diapers a baby will go through in a day, Rob? Like, are we talking like newborns? Well, you know, until they're out of diapers. Yeah. Uh, I'll say on average, uh, five diapers a day. You're a little low. Between 6 and 12. Okay. And that translates to about $986 a year. Currently, I am in the- $1,000 for diapers. uh, Currently, Casey, I'm in the process of every day looking at my child and going, are you a man baby Mm -hmm. or a whammon baby? (laughs) And And are you getting an answer? The baby does not respond. No. Okay. And what does uh, your wife think? Does she she have any sort of- She changes her mind on that as often as she changes her underwear. So (laughs) she's been certain of both. Mm -hmm. And so- uh, 
here we, we're just going to roll with what we're going to roll with. Well, as far as raising a family, according to this Wallet Hub study, they determined that Indiana ranks 34th on the list as one of the best places to raise a family. Well, I mean, you look at this state, and it's part of the conversation we're having right now. You have a gajillion dollars in the bank, and Eric Holcomb's answer for it is just to spend it on enhancing government. When in reality, the thing you could do for the people is to say, hey, we could save you $1,500, $2,000 a year. These people are seeing these increases. Boy, wouldn't that do a lot for being able to raise your family better? Mm-hmm. A tra- you know, Sending $60 million on a trail does not help me raise a family. No. Sp- you know, uh, and the things that they could do, they will not do because that doesn't help you participate in a legalized vote buying. Allowing people to keep their own money and make their own choices does not help you buy love at the ballot box. Okay, quickly before we leave, speaking of money, let's mention this. A winning ticket worth $50,000 was sold in Indianapolis Monday night in the Powerball drawing. 50 grand. 50 grand. The ticket was sold at Speedway on US 31. Yeah. They matched four out of the five numbers. Okay, so we've had the conversation about the big wins. Mm -hmm. What would you do with fifty grand? Like, if you got fifty grand, if I said, "Here is fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars," what would you do with it? How do you know that I didn't win and I'm doing it right now? Because you're at work today. <laughs> you're absolutely right. If I won <laughs> fifty thousand dollars, well, you know, half of that's going off the top right away. So we're looking at about twenty five thousand dollars. I'd probably come in and say, Matt. I'm taking a week off. Yeah. I'd book a week at Casa Marina in Key West. How I wouldn't, exciting. I wouldn't pack a suitcase. I'd buy some fancy soaps and sunscreens while I was down there. Book a massage. Get some new outfits to wear while I was down there. Great. Or I'd buy tickets to the NFL draft in Kansas City coming up in April. <laughs> Which would you pick? Oh, I would go to the draft. You'd go to the draft. Because you know, Casey, the draft is my favorite sporting day of the entire year. Is it really? Oh, yes, absolutely. I'm going to investigate, we'll get, we'll see get, how much we'll tickets get, are. It's in Kansas City coming up in April. We'll get way more into that as we get closer to the draft. That is, the draft is the best. Thank you, Rob. Good job, Kevin. Good job, Parker. And thank you for listening. We're going to count on you to be here tomorrow. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.